Good morning, Grace Covenant family, and a special good morning to those of you joining us who are not a part of Grace Covenant family, or at least do not attend church here regularly on a Sunday, but are joining us online. Thank you so much for joining us. If uh, you are watching this as this video goes live at 9 a.m. on Sunday, comment below, say hello to one another. Uh, it, on Facebook, that'll be below the video, and on YouTube, that will be to the right of the video. So great to have you with us. And today we are looking at Luke chapter 6. We are continuing our series, The Great Reversal. And in Luke chapter 6, Jesus gives us a calling. He gives us a command that I personally find offensive and I personally find the most difficult command in all of scripture and that is to love our enemies to love people who we hate to love people who don't love us back to be generous and kind to people who don't reciprocate that generosity and kindness so we'll be in luke chapter 6 this morning but before i dig into scripture i just want to say a huge Thank you to all of you who prayed for and supported and encouraged Emily and I as we got married on April 15th and, and moved her back here to Denver. It, it is just an amazing thing to have her here with me. And we cannot wait to celebrate with all of you once this season of not being able to meet in person is over. So thank you again so much for your prayers, for your encouragements, for your notes. And again, can't wait to celebrate with you uh, once this season of staying at home is over. Now, let me pray before we dig into scripture. Father God, we thank you for this morning we thank you for the reminder of who you are, for the reminder that even though we were enemies of you, you still loved us. That even though we were enemies of you, you still offered us forgiveness. That even though we were enemies of you, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. God, thank you for who you are, for who you created us to be, that we are made in your image and we can receive your love, receive your forgiveness, receive your mercy every day of our lives. As we dig into scripture this morning, I pray that it is your words speaking through me and not my own. And through your Holy Spirit, would you help all of us learn what you want us to learn this morning and help us to grow in the ways that you want us to grow. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and everyone gathered together as you watch this, said in unison, amen. Amen, brothers and sisters. The hardest part of responding to God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's love in my life has been the command to love my enemies, to love people I don't like, to love people who have not treated me well. 
It's scandalous, in my opinion. It's offensive, in my opinion, to have to love people who have hurt me, have to love people who have made me feel like dirt, have to love people who have created shame inside my being, have to love people who caused me to want to, to kill my own self. And yet that is the call of Jesus. When I was in high school, at recess and at other times during the day, a group of high school kids would gather me up in a, in a corner of the hallway and elbow me and, and, and say not nice things to me. And then on the playground, they would make me tell myself that I'm ugly and laugh at my expense. It was hurtful. It was painful. And what was hurtful and painful wasn't just the things that they said, but it was how what they said made me feel, how what they said made me think of myself. And yet, I am called to love them because them is me. Them is us. Do I have to love them? It's the question that I have asked God my entire life. Because I'd rather just punch them in the face. I'd rather fight back. I'd rather get angry and hold on to bitterness and revenge and seek punishment and vengeance towards them. Do I have to love them? Yes, because them is me. And in your life, the people that have hurt you, the people that annoy you, the people that you can't stand, the people that post on social media that you just want to slap across the side of the head because you think they're stupid. Those people you must love because they are you. Them is us. So yes, we must love our enemies because that is how God showed his love towards us. And if we as Christians are going to be imitators of God, we must follow suit. So I want to take us into the command, the calling that Jesus has for us in our lives. Again, the hardest calling, I think, as a Christian, the one that most repulses me, the call to love our enemies. And Jesus gives us this call, gives us this command in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. Jesus says, But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, Turn 
to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be, to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he, God, is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father in heaven is merciful. And further scriptural evidence. Paul writes in Romans 12, verses 17 through 21, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I want to make a quick note that we, in our common vernacular, actually don't use the term enemies that often. We think of enemies as terrorists or people that we are at war against, but enemies are really, um, in, in the context of what Jesus is saying, enemies are really anyone that you would ever say that you don't like, anyone that you would ever say that you hate, anyone that you think of that you just get this cringing feeling inside and are like, oh, I don't want to be near them, I don't want to be with them, they, 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 they're just below me somehow. That is what the Bible in this context means of enemies, people that you do not think are worthy of your love, your affection, worthy of your time. So what is agape love? Agape love is a selfless love that is passionately committed to the well-being of others. It is not based on emotion. It is not based on desire. It is not based on how you are feeling in the present time about that person. It is based on a calling and command from God. And it is based on humility and servitude towards the other. And examples of agape love, living itself out, are praying for other people, caring for other people, serving other people in hospitality, meeting the needs of other people, and really hoping and wishing for the well-being 
of the other, the well-being of someone who is not you, even when that someone is someone you don't like or someone who doesn't like you. We must do more than just love those who love us back. We must do more than just do good to those who do good to us. And we must do more than just love people and be kind to people who reciprocate those acts of kindness. We must love. We must be generous. We must serve without expecting any, anything in return. And I want to look at two reasons why I think we have a really difficult time loving those that we do not like or loving our enemies. Number one, the first reason is I believe we don't love those who don't love us because we think we are owed something. We think we are owed a response. For example, if we've been wronged, like I was wronged in my youth, I think I need an apology. Those students, those peers of mine who stuck me in the corner and elbowed me, those students, those peers of mine who made me feel like dirt, I want an apology from them. I think that I am owed something in response so that then I can love them. No, God says, regardless of their action or inaction, I am still called to love them regardless. And I want to make an important distinction. Love and forgiveness are different. We are called to love people regardless of how they treat us in return. Forgiveness, which is something we will be talking about next week, is a little different. We always have to have the heart of forgiveness and be willing to offer forgiveness towards others. But biblically, I don't believe that we actually forgive others until they come to us, repent, and ask for that forgiveness. So we must always have a heart of forgiveness, a heart of love towards other people. But forgiveness doesn't actually occur until that person who has wronged us comes and asks for that forgiveness from us. If we've done something nice to people, which I do all the time, if I give a gift to someone or if I uh, do something nice, I serve someone, I do dishes even for Emily, I even in, in my relationship, my marriage with Emily, I sometimes think that I am owed a response, a thank you, a, a, a note of gratitude. So when we as people do nice things, continually nice things to others in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our church, and don't see, receive a note of gratitude in return, we often just get frustrated and think, well, they don't appreciate me. I'm not going to uh, be kind to them anymore. There's no relational res uh, reciprocity in there, and that makes us frustrated and mad. If we don't believe the things they do or act in the way they act, we often want people to change their beliefs and their actions before we will truly love them. 
And last, in terms of reason number one, is, and I kind of touched on this already, a history of ungratefulness. A history of not noticing you. We find it really difficult to love people who don't notice us, who don't notice our kindness, or who don't even notice our presence. Have you ever tried to form a relationship with someone or have been really kind and nice to someone? Maybe it was in school, maybe it's at the uh, at work, maybe it's in your community, a neighbor, and you just continually are kind and nice and, and you're seeking to form that relationship with them and they don't even notice you. And as people who want to be noticed, that drives us insane. But even when other people don't notice us, even when other people don't see us, it is our call, our command from our Lord and Savior to notice and see them and love them. And reason number two with a couple of subpoints. Reason number two that we find it difficult to love others is that we don't find people worthy of our love, of our charity, of our generosity. This is very depending on who we are, but it's usually people we can't relate to. People with different experiences, different backgrounds, different beliefs, immigrants, foreigners, captives, people of a different political party or religious belief. When we can't relate to how people live, when we can't relate to how people believe, when we can't relate to people's political preferences, it is very difficult for us to love them. It is very difficult for us to, to sit in their beliefs, sit in their presence. And yet that is our call. It is our call to go to them and to listen and understand life from their point of view even when we disagree with that point of view. We can't form relationships, we can't build loving communities and neighborhoods if we aren't willing to take the step to be with people that we think are unworthy, that we think are different, that we think are crazy because of their beliefs. We must go past those barriers. Martin Luther King Jr. writes this. Agape is disinterested love. And by that he means agape love isn't interested in who the person is. Agape does not begin by discriminating between worthy and unworthy people or any qualities people possess. It begins by loving others for their sakes. Therefore, agape makes no distinction between friend and enemy. It is directed towards both. Whether you are friends with someone, whether you love someone, whether you agree with them politically, religiously, whether you have the same interests and hobbies, or whether you know someone that you don't agree with, you don't have the same interests and hobbies, you must love them the same. So Tyler, you're telling me that I must love 
my best friend and have the same heart of gratitude and the same attitude towards my best friend as my worst enemy? Yes, that's exactly what I am saying. And that is why this is so offensive. That is why this is so scandalous. Because we are called to be imitators of God. And what if God only loved people who loved him in return? What if God said to all of us, I'm not going to send my son to you. I'm not going to forgive you, offer the forgiveness of your sins until you all bow down before me. No, he sent his son even when we were rebellious. He offers love and forgiveness even when we were rebellious. I want to take us back to verses 35 and 36. Jesus says, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Jesus is saying that his heavenly Father is, uh, is um, kind to the ungrateful and wicked and is merciful to them. We must be imitators in, of God and practice that same mercy. Joel B. Green writes this. This is the nature of the great benefactor. He gives even to those who by their ingratitude and wickedness, all of us towards him, portray themselves as his enemies. Just as God is merciful, that is just as God is active graciously and creatively to bring about redemption, so should his children be merciful. Hence, the critical value is not reciprocity, but behavior rooted in the imitation of God. Earlier I said, them is us. Why must we love everyone, even our worst enemy? Because them is us. Why must I love and seek the well-being of and care for and serve my peers in high school? Why must I do that? Because them is me them as us, just as people in your life have hurt you, just as people in your life have been ungrateful to you, just as people in your life have caused you pain. So we have caused our Father in heaven through our sin and wickedness, pain and suffering. We don't love our enemies when we have a wrong view of who we are. Before God, we have sinned and we have fallen short. Just like we think people in our lives have fallen short of honoring us, we have fallen short of honoring God. We are no different. We are no different when it comes to our relationship with God. So just as God 
graciously gave himself up for us selflessly in Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. We must graciously give ourselves up even for the people that we hate the most, even for the people who have made us feel like dirt in our lives, even for the people that we can't stand their beliefs and, and what they do on a daily basis. We must love them. I want to go back to my story and how I have been very imperfect in loving my enemies because I have yet, nor do I have any desire to go back to a high school reunion. And I pray every day that God would give me the heart of love that I would someday be able to do that. Brothers, sisters, Grace Covenant family, those of you that are listening online, don't be like me. Have a heart of love towards the people that have wronged you. Have the same heart of love that the Amish have. And I want to tell you this story to close. In October 2006, a 32-year-old man named Charlie Roberts walked into an Amish schoolhouse in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, shot 10 schoolchildren, five of whom died, and Charlie killed himself. A horrible incident. Yet that night, parents of two of the children who had been shot went over to Charlie's parents' house and were the first to interact with Charlie's parents after that shooting. And Amish people outnumbered non-Amish people at Charlie's funeral. That is love that I cannot imagine. A murderer has just shot your children. And yet your first response is to go to that person's parents' house and offer prayer and offer support and offer encouragement and offer love. And then your next response is to show up at Charlie's funeral. without the grace of God in us, without the Holy Spirit of God in us. I do not think we could do that. So may their story be an example for all of us that even in the most difficult of situations, we are called, commanded to love, to show mercy towards others regardless of what they have done for us. That is the scandal of the gospel. That is what I find most offensive because in my heart of hearts, I can't do it. In my heart of hearts, I need all of the Holy Spirit 
to be able to love people that have hurt me, to be able to love people I disagree with, to be able to love people who I think are different. And may that same Holy Spirit that I pray fills me day after day and transforms me more and more into the likeness of Christ, may that same Holy Spirit be on you this morning and continue to transform your hearts into greater and greater likeness of Christ so that we together can imitate him in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and spread the love of God, not just to our friends, not just to our families, but spread the love of God to all people because all people are worthy of that love, even when we don't think so. I want to leave you with this question, and I already know my answer. Who do you need to love? Who do you need to love? And pay attention to that word need. I didn't say who do you want to love? Who do you choose to love? Who do you need to love? Because agape love is not about want. It's not about desire. It is a command from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the reminder that you loved us even when we didn't love you. That you cared for us when we didn't care for you that you sent your son to die for us, even when we were turning our backs to you. God, help us through your Holy Spirit be imitators of you. Help us imitate agape love, the love that you had towards us. When we were unworthy of that love, you deemed us worthy. May we have the same attitude towards all people. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son and thank you for your Holy Spirit. May that Holy Spirit transform us day after day more and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray this in his name, the name that is above every other name, the name Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. And usually after the service, we have a time of offering. So if you are able, please give generously online, or you can also mail checks to uh, our church address, which you can also find at our website, gracecovenantlakewood.org. Brothers and sisters, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And if you are watching this at 9 a.m., we will be convening for Zoom worship right after this. See you there. God bless.